What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome everybody into the OBR Weekly, part of the OBR Network every week, every Wednesday here on the OBR Twitch channel. Uh, if you are subscribed to the OBR Twitch channel, thank you for the support. If you are not, make sure you get subscribed to the OBR Twitch channel and go subscribe to the OBR's website as well for all of the best, most in-depth, uh, and most researched Browns coverage that you are going to find anywhere out there. Uh, with you tonight, stepping in for the man himself, Barry McBride. I am Michael Keefe, host of the Garage Beers podcast. And joining me, the man you're all here to listen to uh, for all the insight and insight uh, on the Cleveland Browns, it's Fred Greetham. Fred, what's going on here tonight? Hey, Mike, good to see you. Yeah, I'm good to be back after a week hiatus out down in the Smoky Mountains looking at bears and animals and spending time with the family. It was good. That sounded nice. You, I, you know, just being part of the group and, and seeing some of the stuff that you had put up uh, either on Facebook or, or on the Slack channel, man, it looked like a, that just looked like a good time. So you got to be feeling rested and ready to go. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes vacation need to get back to rest up, but no, it's pretty relaxing. We had, we had a house down there, I think seven bedrooms, Had nice. I have 18 in my clan now, three kids have multiplied and all the grandkids and we were all in one place for one week and yeah, it's it was good to go and good to be back and kind of the lull before the storm, we all know training camp's coming up here in just a very short month and uh, then it's nonstop for sometimes at least six months. And sometimes if we're lucky, it goes a little longer than that. I'm going to tell you before we get into the Browns, if you haven't done one of those trips, like down to the Smokies or we weren't far from there, we went to the Blue Ridge mountains, which is Northern Georgia. Uh, man, those vacations are awesome. You get one of those big houses, you're in the mountains or you're on a lake or whatever you're at. And it's kind of like your own, just uh getaway. We did that a few years ago and, and all we do is talk about going back. So we're glad to have you back. Uh, but, yeah. Hope you enjoyed that trip. Yeah, I, I wondered. We weren't there four hours. That one picture video I put. We had four bears in the in the driveway. I looked out my window and oh, holy moly! But uh, <laughs> I think they were used to checking the visitors' trash cans. But then we went into the Smokies and the place called Cades Cove a Loop through the national park, eleven miles. Just nice. unbelievable animals. I mean. Saw over four. I went three times because that's what I like to do. <laughs> and I had grandkids go about 40 deer every time, a boatload of turkeys, coyotes. But I saw 10 bear, you know, on those trips. And uh, it was very fun, very relaxing, just seeing scenery, wildlife, spending time with family. So I'd be like, I see bear in my garbage. Uh, I'd be like, nope. I guess we're not doing the garbage again ever. <laughs> well, you know, you're not too far from here. I was talking to one of my friends and said that they had uh, a bear out here near Wellington last yeah. week. They, some of the people have pictures of it up. It was up in a tree. So people, people do not believe me. They do not believe me. But I was golfing at Big Met Golf Course and years ago, years ago, and there was a rumbling up up a tree. And I look up and there's just like, not a very big, but just a, a, a little black bear going right up the tree. And I'm, people do not believe it's like, it's like, they don't understand that they do live around here sometimes. Well, uh, they come the, not to give a nature lesson, but young males get kicked out and they've been known to travel a hundred miles. Most of them are coming from Pennsylvania, trying to find their own territory, kind of like all young men trying to get out on their own and establish their own area to live. So <laughs> I, yeah, well, it didn't give me any viable golf tips, uh, so that didn't help. <laughs> Yogi Bear. Yeah, that's right. Hey, listen, like I said, before we get into the Browns talk, uh, if you're not subscribed, uh, be like our buddy Ty Sox here. Uh, Ty Sox just subscribed for 11 months in a row, uh, a, a loyal follower of the OBR. We appreciate you, you, Ty Sox. So be like Ty Sox. Make sure you hit that subscribe button uh, and do it over and over and over again. This is where you 
this is where you can can get all the best Browns information that you're going to get. And as Ian, our buddy Ian, uh, who's in the background here, Ian McBride says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into some pre uh, come up with topics uh, that we want to talk about. But if you guys have questions, if you want to join the show, this show, the OBR Weekly is for you. So if you've got questions, if you've got comments, if you've got things you want to talk about, get in the comments. Make sure you are a part of the show here tonight, uh, and we will get to your questions and comments as we go. But Fred, listen, it, it just doesn't feel right. I know it's overly talked about, and there's there's not a lot of a change going on, uh, but you've also been gone for a little bit of time. Uh, and so here we are. Deshaun Watson is in his uh, NFL hearings uh, with the NFL's arbitrator. Uh, we're going to see what the suggested punishment at least is uh, for Deshaun Watson uh, and, and you know, everything that he's going through. But just kind of fill us in on things that maybe you've heard, if you heard anything new or that caught your ear today uh, about today's hearings and, and let us know kind of what your thoughts are about this whole situation going down. Well, the thing about these deals, they're pretty much airtight and you don't hear much about it, but but you kind of hear what somebody wants you to hear. And it sure seems like there's posturing that, you know, the NFL's letting some things out to a given reporter here or there. And uh, all it's, it's, there's no real, well, that's today's world. There's no real sources. There's no Fred Greetham said this. It's a guy told me who told me. And then people, everybody runs with it. And so it, to me, it's running the gamut. I was on two uh, talk shows here in Cleveland today that normally I'm on from training camp through the Super Bowl, maybe during the draft. Usually June and July is the free time. And usually when you're on those shows, you know, there's bad news. And that's that seems like what's going on because the only thing that happens in June and July is bad news. Now, this right. isn't necessarily bad news, but it's news because there's there's something going on. And so um, I think it can run the whole gamut. You know, it makes sense when the NFL leaks out that they'd be happy with six to eight weeks, even though they're asking for an indefinite or a year because they want to sound like they came down hard. But, hey, there's nothing we can do. The arbiter, you know, made that decision we don't want to you know appeal it but then you see oh that's not true now we're saying go ahead and say six to eight weeks and then the NFL comes back and hammers it for the full year um the only way Watson is for sure cleared is if she says no suspension because that any even one game suspension the NFL and Goodell can can change it to whatever he wants. So I don't know why they totally agreed with this, the NFLPA, because you still have Roger Goodell or his office with the final say. So you don't know really where it stands. Are you going to let Mrs. Robinson make the decision? And I uh, did have, you know, we're going to try to have some music for you. Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> I mean, for Browns fans, that's, who you're pulling for kind of saves you because literally I feel like your season is in the balance on this decision. I don't care what anybody says. If it's a season long and you say we're going with Jacoby Brissett, good luck. I don't know if you're going to have eight and nine season that you had last year, maybe nine and eight, maybe 10 and seven, but I do not feel, you know, you got it more of a game manager than a playmaker, you know, coming in. So that's here nor there. But your season's in the balance, Browns fans, if he is out for, I would say, more than half the season, if, you know, if that. So I think it's a big thing on Robinson. To me, it makes sense. This is her first case that they would not throw her decision out because if they throw her decision out, this has all been a waste of time, hasn't it? you know, all this week and whatever they went yesterday and today. And now they're saying they'll at least go till tomorrow. I would think with the holiday, they wouldn't do it Friday. So I would think they'd wrap up tomorrow. That's just me. And then she's going to make her decision. Probably not on the spot. 
she'll mull over whatever and then make a rolling and then it'll either stand or one or the other will appeal. I'd say if she comes out and says six to eight weeks, the NFLPA would say we're good with that. If And if the NFL says they're good with that, then no appeal, we're done. But either side could drag it out even longer. And if they appeal, then I don't know if they'll be done by training camp. Well, it, it's also, Fred, it's also you, you hear a lot, and you use the word posturing, and it's a thing that we've been using pretty much the whole time we've been talking about it, whether it's been on Garage Beers or all the other OBR shows. Uh, we've talked a lot about posturing because you're hearing what people want you to hear, right? You're hearing something that the NFL wants you to hear. You're hearing stuff that the NFLPA wants you to hear. You're hearing what the lawyers want you to hear. You're, you're, you're always hearing what somebody wants you to hear. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, one thing that did strike me that I read about today was it seems very clear that the NFL does not want an appeal situation. And so it seems to me that, you know, it it doesn't seem like they've closed off the table and maybe you've heard differently, but it seems to me like the NFL and Deshaun Watson's people can go to the table and come to an agreement anytime through this process. And it doesn't have to be the arbiter's ruling. It doesn't have to be, uh, Ms. Robinson's ruling that 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 defines the situation. So it seems to me like if the NFL was okay with six to eight games or four to six games or whatever, and Watson's people were okay with that, are, are okay with that, that they would come to the table and agree on that. But it doesn't seem like that's happening. So maybe you know maybe some of the stuff that we're throwing aside as as just posturing because it does not make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that the NFL desperately wants Deshaun Watson out of the, you know, out of the game for years, like indefinitely out of the game. It doesn't make sense. Uh, and it, it doesn't follow any precedent that has happened before. And so why do, why do you think they haven't been able to, you know, do you think maybe some of that posturing is realistically, they, they want to look strong or they want to look like they're fighting away. And that way with the, if the arbitrator comes back and says, this is what we're doing, they can say, well, listen, this is what we fought for, but we're going to respect that ruling. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think that's what I'm, if I was to make a, a prediction, that's what I would say. It's her first ruling, you know, since the NFLPA and the NFL came together. Um, and, and second of all, they're trying to, to look very tough because they were criticized over the Ray Rice thing. Because say we have on video this guy kicking a woman in an elevator and you gave him like four games um, or whatever it was. And and so if anything that I've learned covering this league is that Roger Goodell and the NFL want to try to save face. They hear all the there's a reason Tony Busby kept dripping, dripping, you know, these new they were kind of the same old thing, but made it sound fresh by having two of the people that didn't sue to begin with sue again, or, or at least one of them, the HBO thing, the New York times thing. And, and so I think they're trying They're They kind of, we all felt the suspensions going up and up and up as they keep throwing more and more out there. I would have thought it would have made a, you know, while it's gone, obviously, you know, the, the settlement of the 20 cases, you would think that would go in the right direction. They'd say, okay, we're getting this, you know, cleaned up and let's get it over with. I would think it would behoove them to get that all behind them. And I, I do think that's what they want. But if you suspend the guy like indefinitely, then you are going to keep that over and over hanging on. And, and, uh, I said from the beginning, I think the 30th, which is tomorrow, was the end of the discovery, meaning that all the, I'm not a lawyer, but all the evidence had to be out there. And so they could say, we went through and waited until everything was there. Now, obviously there could be new cases, but everything that they had to date is out there. We let it run. Okay. This is our decision. But it just makes too much sense to me that you you come to the middle. But if if they are just trying to, you know, I know the guy with pro football talk is anti-Browns, anti, and he just keeps beating the drumbeat, you know, that the NFL's just throwing out a, 
a six game to try to get the judge to bite on that. And then they'll bring the hammer in for a full year or indefinitely because they have that right to do that. I just think that would, that would even look worse. So I just think that the best way they can handle it, all parties, she makes a ruling. And if it's less than a full season, they say, okay, we're good with it and be done and close the thing off and not have any more appeals, not have any more. I I think everybody wants it over with. And I don't know if there's really any good outcome for this, but I think obviously when the Browns made the move, they knew there's going to be some of this stuff, but I think they feel that when number four is back on the field playing, whether it's six games, eight games, 10 games, everybody will kind of forget about it for the most part when he's playing football, because most people are just watching the games. They're not concerned with the the guy's rap sheet, because obviously there's a lot of guys in the NFL that have rap sheets that, that have played or are playing and, and so forth. So I don't know. I mean, it, I'm just tired of talking about it. And I hope for sure by the time I get to training camp, I don't have to talk about it because I'm getting called to be on radio shows. And, you know, just like here, I don't think anybody has any, any information um, more than, you know, it could be the game. It could be nothing could be a year indefinitely. And he has to, you know, apply to reinstate next year, you know, and come back next year. Yeah, you're tired of talking about it. You were on vacation. You got mm-hmm. a break. And it's still, it is tiresome. But but you brought up one last thing before we move on to our next topic. You brought up something that I think is fascinating because my phone blew up with a couple notifications today about an NFL source. And again, this kind of goes back to what you were saying before. It's It's a source. Somebody said this anonymously said that if Sue Robinson comes up with a punishment for Deshaun Watson, of let's say four games. Again, we don't know what it is. I'm making this up. But the NFL doesn't find that to be uh, acceptable that they are are, are probably not going to go with whatever she recommends. And I think that is another thing. That Then what's the point? This is her first. You brought her on. You brought Sue Robinson on for this specific reason. And she goes through and gives you the ruling that you are looking for to give and 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 our friend chat underscore username here to give you some kind of precedent. This is why you brought her in because all the NFL decisions, what they keep getting hammered on is that it all feels random. One doesn't feel connected to the next, doesn't feel connected. You don't know what one guy could have a terrible situation and get two games, and one guy could get busted for marijuana and be out for the year. And so it's, it's, there's not, it just feels so random. So the NFL is not going to bring Sue Robinson in and then just discard her decision, right? Like, I just feel like that cannot happen. Well, that's what's logical. And that's the whole idea of the NFL Players Association wanted an arbiter because it always was Roger Goodell was the judge, jury, and executioner. And if you appealed, Like, let's say, you know, like when Roethlisberger got a six-game suspension and then they appealed, who was the judge, jury, and executioner? Roger Goodell. So it really was kind of stupid, you know? And so that's the only layer now is with the arbiter, this Sue Robinson, like you said, both agreed, the Players Association and the NFL. So why wouldn't you go with their hearing? or with what her judgment is. And the the leeway was, oh, as long as Goodell or his office gets the final say, if anything comes down other than no suspension, you know, so that's what I said. If she says no suspension, they can't do anything about it. And that's why some people think they said they'd be good with six to eight games just because they're afraid she might say no suspension. And then, there would then they're done. He gets right. nothing. And then the NFL looks bad, other than this little thing they've been leaking out saying we'd be we want an indefinite. And if if the NFL people that were recommending to Goodell truly were recommending indefinite suspension, then they would be pushing for that, 
you know, even if she says three games, four games, six games, they would come back and say, okay, it's going to be indefinite again. And then, then you are, it's a total sham because, you know, this, this judge basically got some money, but she wasted her time because again, it's just three days of hearings and, and then what's the use to make us. So that's why I feel like it's that they would go with what she said, but contrary to what a lot of people are assuming is that she would only do three, four, six, eight games. What if she says your suspension, you know, then, then your only hope if you're the Browns is the NFL players association, you know, they appeal it and they have to take it to a court or whatever and try to get that overturned. But that's why I say it could be, it could be nothing. That would be crazy if she says no suspension because the NFL can't do anything and he's, he's ready to go from game one. So, you know, so I am interested in hearing your thoughts on this too. What suspension could come down? Because you do get the feeling, just knowing that these guys are pretty smart human beings, that the Browns made this move with the understanding that a suspension was probably highly likely for Deshaun Watson this first year. They probably knew that right from the start. So is there a line for you in your your head, or just knowing the people in that organization, is there a line where you think, Okay, if the suspension is this or less, we're fine. We're going to move forward. We're going to is it a year? Is it 8 games? Is it 6 games? What's the line that you think, okay, this, you know, this is kind of what we were planning for. We're ready for this. We're prepared for this. But if it's something more than that, it's oh man, this is a real kick in the in the gut. I'm going to put on my <laughs> sunglasses and I'm going to say, look at the bright side. I'm going to say that, you know, knowing what I know of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, they had backup plans for the backup plans. And I mean, Stefanski had so many contingencies during the COVID that this happened, we do this and this. And, and even when he got COVID and missed a game, they had rehearsed all the things. So I I have to think they had to look at the very worst outcome before they made this decision to trade for him. Obviously they had a tight window. If you remember how quickly that all happened, they had to have figured in what if it's a one year suspension? I don't think they say worst case scenario is six games, eight games, 10 games. I think they had to say indefinite. I don't think anybody says he's never coming back when they say indefinite. I think Tom Brady got an indefinite, you know, with the deflate gate, but then it was reduced to like five games or four games or something like that. Miles Garrett got indefinite. Exactly. Good point. So I think they were saying it's even worth it. If it's a year, you almost have to look like it, like he, like he uh, tore his ACL on the first day of practice, you know, and he's out for the season. So, I think it might change their plan for 2022, but I think if it's six, eight games, they roll with Jacoby Brissett and move on for Mayfield. They still could leave the door open. And I think that's partly why nothing's happened with Mayfield is they are also waiting to see what happens because they do have an asset in him and they might, you know, decide to trade him for a quarterback or they might decide to keep him you know, whatever. But as far as the whole aspect with, with Watson, I think that they made conditions and they felt it was still worthwhile to make the trade. Even if you missed him this year and you got him for the next four, five, six, ten 10 years, because you know how quarterbacks today are playing, you know, he's still younger than Baker Mayfield by a little bit. I think yeah. he's 26. Um, you can realistically think he'd play to his mid thirties. So that's eight, nine more years, even if he didn't play this year, it would really, the the question is, do you torpedo the 2022 season, you know, and not, you know, just go with Jacoby Brissett and say, whatever happens, happens. We are getting some questions in the comments. Keep those coming. If you're joining us live here tonight, Uh, again, Michael Keefe here with Fred Greetham. Listen, I like this one from race up one. 
so let's say a short suspension comes through. Let's say it's a four-game suspension that Sue Robinson recommends, and Roger Goodell says, Goodell says no, you're getting a year. We're gonna we're not gonna listen to the recommendation recommendation from Sue Robinson. You're getting a full year. What could be the implications of that? You see in the question here, could we see a player strike? That would be an extreme situation. But I do agree that it would show that the CBA negotiations were a bit of a scam, right? They they negotiated that you were going to bring this person in to help you decide these cases and decide these these judgments. And if her first big thing is a well, we're not going to listen to her. Uh, what kind of what kind of uh, what kind of backlash would that cause with the with the NFLPA? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. You know, brought up there by Ray. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they would rally around Watson. You know, I know the players on the Browns, the guys I've talked to, are all in on Deshaun Watson. This other stuff, they know it's there. They're but they're like the fans just waiting to see what's going to happen because they're really excited about having him on the team playing with him. Everything's been positive as far as in the locker room. Everybody I've talked to on the side, off the record, um, they like him. And, you know, the fans and the, the media have a different perception that he's just, you know, I don't think when it's all said and done, I think most of these guys, they just want to win. Right. And, and they're lined up next to guys that might be not somebody they agree with or, or get along with, but if they're a good player, they want to win. Jadavian Clowney, this obviously didn't bother him right. because he said, I want to come back here and play with Deshaun Watson. I don't think he'd be here. And we've had a, we've had Brad report that his sources told him Clowney was going elsewhere, you know, if they wouldn't have made a move at quarterback. And so, yeah, I just think that um, the players, I don't know if league wide, if they would rally around, it's kind of interesting with, J.C. Treader, I don't think he's on a team. I don't know if you're still the NFL Players Association president if you're not on a team or not. Um, but, you know, and he's not with the Browns. You know, if he was with the Browns, he might even be a little more excited to rally around him. But I learned he does, you know, so I don't know what they'll do. But yeah. I just, I do think it's interesting because it's like we've been talking about. Common Sense says, you brought somebody in, and this was what the whole goal was. So Roger's office didn't make the decision for everything. And yet now she makes a decision and you throw it out the window and say, well, thanks, but no thanks. I don't think that would go over well because then the next then you're saying, why do we even do this on the next one? But you know, there's so many different ways it can go. Yeah. I mean, I keep coming back to this guy was not indicted with any crime now okay now this is about yeah if if they had all this they have all this stuff but in a court it doesn't take a whole lot legal people tell me to indict somebody you know you would have thought they would have at least indicted him on something but they didn't they threw it all out so this is where the you know now it's just money so you know whether I'm just interested to see, you know, yeah. she's a human being and she's going to, you know, look at it and she's going to make her decision, but whether they go with it or not, I just think you got to, even if, you, even if it isn't what you want, you come out and say, Hey, we respect the decision. It wasn't what we were hoping for. Don't, doesn't everybody say that after a case, right? right exactly. But, you know, but if well, they appeal it, then they're appealing it to Roger Gazelle. And and then he says, you're wrong. Right. So that's why I just think that um, they can't appeal it if they want to have a sense of fairness or whatever. I think the NFLPA can, if they give him the hammer, if she says it's a year, you know, or indefinite, then they have to, or, yeah. you know, well, that's what they're have there nothing for. to lose. Yeah, you have nothing to lose at that point because you're if you get it reduced down anything. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's just you know, we're coming to the end of this. 
Thankfully, we're coming to a dis- uh, some sort of decision. We'll see how long it plays out after that. I think you brought up some great points, though. I, I think two points that you brought up that make that that really connected here. One, morality aside, please remember that it is these people's jobs to their only jobs it is their only jobs. Their only jobs are to win football games. Whether you are Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski, your only job is to put together a winning football team. And while it may be hard for some of us to justify morality in certain circumstances, you can be the most moral person on the planet. And if your football team goes three and 14, you're getting fired. So your job and your livelihood depends on winning football games. And that's why you kind of have to disconnect this. And that's why it's hard, I think, for some people. And I always try to tell people, you know, you also brought up Deshaun Watson wasn't indicted. That isn't us trying to justify the fact that we don't want Deshaun Watson to be suspended. It is now you have no criminal charges in his workplace. How do you justify a crazy suspension when he wasn't even charged criminally? That's the point that you have to kind of make. So it's you kind of have to disconnect from how you feel about it and say, this is this is what the whole situation is. And I do think it is important for people to realize that when you, if you were Andrew Barry sitting there, I'm not going to put words in people's mouths, but your livelihood and your job depends on winning football games. And that is it. You make moves well, that may, that may be difficult to make if you think it's going to help you succeed and keep your job. Right. I've said that before when I asked Andrew Barry that question January 11th on the last press conference about going anywhere you could to try to upgrade all positions even quarterback even if it alienated your quarterback and everything I was thinking is what's happened you alienated your quarterback whether you got Watson or Russell Wilson or whoever they might were trying to get and and now you're stuck with that. But I agree that, I mean, we can look at all kinds of coaches, general managers, what Doug Peterson, he won the Super Bowl, wasn't more in a couple years later, he gets fired. Right. You know, it, do you think that Kevin Stefanski is still going to be the coach if they go six and 11 this year or eight and nine again? He's definitely or, on the hot seat. Or Andrew Barry, they got Jimmy Haslam's looking at this roster and saying, man, we got the best. What's wrong with the coach? You know, you can't get better than that out of them. And I think Kevin Stefanski's and Andrew Berry both, what I know of them, very upright, very moral guys with their yeah. family men. And I think they this is a football decision. And I don't think that Jimmy Haslam came out of the blue and says, you got to do this. And if he did do that, they could have said, coach or owner, we respectfully decline. Um, I don't, does anybody on here think Andrew Barry wouldn't get hired like the next day or right. Kevin Stefanski might not be a head coach, but he would, he would have, he would be a coordinator or go somewhere very quickly. Um, so yeah, I believe that it's all about winning. It's all about football decisions. I've tried to look at this like football. If I I've explained this before, you know, because I have colleagues that have ripped almost like detesting that I'm still covering the Browns. And I'm like, if I was making my decision covering the Browns for over 30 years on the character of the players, and believe me, I know more about these guys than any of you people do <laughs> as far as who I, I I should say I assume because I know these guys. And there's a lot of guys I I really disliked a lot, but you wouldn't know imagine. that if you followed what I had to say or what I was writing, because I try to be objective and I'm, this isn't opinion journalism. There's a place for that, but we got so much of that today that just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you're right or you're wrong or whatever. There's, there's talk. And that's why we have dialogue. You might agree with one thing. I might with another, but let's just talk it about, we're talking football. And that's what I want to talk about is I watch football, evaluate it. Yes. And I think that's what Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry are doing. And otherwise they wouldn't have made this move. They didn't have to. And they could have said, we're just done with you. We're not staying here any longer. And, and so, you know, that's where it is. I do think that the owner came in when they got turned down 
because I don't think they said, hey, because they don't have the budget to say, let's give you 230 guaranteed million. They might have proposed it, but they were at the point kind of a national laughing stock after getting turned down and alienating the quarterback and everything. And I think the owner might've said, do whatever you got to do if we can get it done at this point, because we've already put all yeah, we're already here. Yeah. We're already at that point. So MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over guys. All stars Four is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I just think that um, it's it's about football and winning and, and that's all the, you know, I feel so bad at Stefanski every day we had to talk about this stuff and he doesn't want to, he shouldn't have to. And I was glad that Watson came out, you know, and addressed the media before, you know, we got to training camp. So, you yeah. know, all that being said, I think the sooner we can all get this behind us, the better. And uh, it just doesn't nobody any good to keep drawing it out. And that right there is why they call him the legend, ladies and gentlemen, Fred Greetham, not only, not only with words of wisdom, as far as approaching football and covering it and, frankly, just making sure you know your opinion isn't always right, but he's fixing America. He's fixing the world with those opinions, so that's why we call him a legend. Let's get away from the quarterbacks. We've got a few other things, uh, a little bit lighter at least, for us to talk about. Uh, I want to hear your opinions on them, Fred. Uh, other news going on right now. The running back room for the Cleveland Browns is a very talented, very deep uh, running back room. Uh, there's some youth. Uh, there's some unproven assets. Uh, but one of the main guys that they have built this team and, 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 and its current situation around is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt comes out in the media as he's doing a camp uh, this week and says, I want an extension. We're working towards an extension. I want to finish my career in Cleveland. Now it's been, Kareem Hunt is an incredibly popular player. He's a local guy. He's insanely talented. But you're also talking about a running backs room that has Dearness Johnson. You just drafted Jerome Ford, uh, who they are very excited about uh, from Cincinnati. And obviously, Nick Chubb is your workhorse. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, you know, do, is Kareem Hunt a guy that you would like to see them give an extension to? Do you want him to finish his career in Cleveland as, as he desires? Or do you think that signing him to an extension maybe isn't the right way to go about it when you've got maybe a guy like Dearness Johnson, uh, who a lot of people seem to rather go with? Yeah, I mean, like, I know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I see a lot. We have a lot of analytical people and salary cap people like Jack and and we got Jake and Anthony and Corey and all these uh, misnames that, that are really good at looking the film. And, and they've changed my opinion on guys, but I just watch the games and don't get into a lot of that. And I just think he's such a difference maker. Yes. and we saw what he did, you know, sometimes you see Chubb, you know, having a, a struggling game and then Hunt becomes the, the horse. That doesn't say Dearness Johnson cannot be, but I just think he's, he's a lot better in my opinion in the passing game. I don't know the numbers, the finances, but obviously last year he was injured. And I just think it's such a weapon to have, those two, 24 and 27, you know, one or the other is a battering ram. And end of the game, we see it so many times that one of them makes a big play, especially Chubb makes a big run. I don't know if it's feasible financially, but I think that until I see otherwise, I have Hunt better than Dearness Johnson. And and I don't know about Jerome Ford, but I just hate moving on from a good player just because now if he if he is willing and wants to stay and and work with the Browns and not demand, you know, what he could get in the open market. Hey, but if but it's like, no, 
I want to stay with the Browns, but I want to be like the top paid running back. Well, then, yeah, I understand. You you got right now. I think you got 14 million in your top three running backs for this year, and most most of us say that that doesn't work. But what happens? Like we saw last year, you lost Chubb and Hunt, and you didn't know Dearness Johnson what he was going to do. He did pretty well. So that's not my decision. I just think it's good they have depth, but I I would lean to try to work something out with Hunt. If it gets to the point where you see, okay, he's wanting to be paid more than Chubb, and it's just we just yeah. can't do it, then you trade him and you get something valuable for him as opposed to letting him just walk for nothing, you know, but for this year, I think also the Watson thing could play into it. If, if he gets suspended a year and they say, okay, we really don't have a shot this year. Even if the season gets going, then maybe you trade for a team that loses a running back or something. And, and maybe you get the Trent Richardson deal, you know, like you did. <laughs> yes. You find that, you find that general manager and you make that move, but I don't know. I mean, I, I like him. I like what he's done. He's fit in. He likes to be here. And I think he really likes Nick Chubb. And yes. I think Chubb really likes him. And they get along. And and that says a lot to guys. You saw it with Jose Ramirez. I mean, he, you know, he took less. If you want to say 150 million, you know, if you you're not gonna feel sorry for him. He's making six point <laughs> two million this year. You know, it's like I realize it's a short window. But are other teams going to be willing to give him a big contract? We saw Le'Veon Bell, some of the guys, they weren't really old when they thought they were going to get cashed cashed out. And then they did get the big, but they never really lived up to it. So it'll be interesting how it plays out. I kind of give, I defer this to Andrew Barry, and, and I just think he finds a way, you know, to keep guys that are productive. Austin Hooper wasn't productive for the money. They moved on from him. If Hunt's not productive this year, they'll move on from him. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, you know, uh, those guys that you mentioned, our OBR uh, brethren, are, they're so smart, and they watch a game, and they're so analytical, uh, and 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 so it's hard for me to say I disagree. But I'm with you, Fred. I disagree with them. Uh, I will take Kareem Hunt all day, every day, because he is at any point in time can be the best player on the field, and we've seen it happen. We've seen him take over games here in Cleveland and be the best player on the field. And while we saw a really good game from Dearness Johnson when he came in uh, in that Denver game, that night game, that was awesome. Uh, and he played his heart out. And he might have been the best player on the field that night. Uh, you still haven't seen it enough to say, hey, listen, he can replace a guy like Kareem Hunt, right? Well, and my biggest negative on Stefanski for the – for these two years is it that he doesn't play hunt and Chubb together. Um, now I know there's different, but you got to find a way to use them both together. And I know the analytic thing is not to wear the guys out, but if you do have Dearness Johnson, that shouldn't be an issue because you got three that could rotate. But I just like that weapon last year when there was a couple guys out playmakers, I think Landry was out. Um, Najoku might have been out. They were down to only at the skill position when we're using wide receivers off the practice squad. Right. Arguably, even with all the weapons, Hunt and Chubb were the two best playmakers you had on offense. And you're telling me you're taking the burden off the defense by putting 24 standing on the sideline next to the coach or 27. If I'm on defense, I'm looking, I'm going hot dog, you know, 27's not on the field. The game that Hunt got hurt was the first time those two were in the field last year together, and he got hurt on the fourth play, and he had a 13-yard screen pass. I just think that just the defense has to worry about those two and scheme for them. You've got to find some package to do that more. You can't just waste pro bowl-type players by having one sit out, especially – they played, you know, Johnny or not Johnny, but Andy Janovich, you know, at fullback. And I think both Hunt and Chubb show they can be a lead blocker. And now you moved on from the fullback. I don't know if they're going to keep Johnny Stanton or not, but why not use the two? And you got Watson. If you got him back there, you got all kinds of things you can do. 
if you don't have Watson, I think you could lean heavily on Chubb and Hunt and Johnson in the running game. Yeah, listen, so I, my... I find myself kind of in the middle of that because I think they could do it more, but I don't scream for it only because how many games have we seen Nick Chubb? People are screaming for Nick Chubb through two and a half quarters. You're midway through the third quarter. Nick Chubb's got 48 yards rushing and people are like, why doesn't he, why aren't they giving him the ball more? What's going on? But then Nick Chubb, the end of that game, how many, how many times have we seen Nick Chubb just have explosive fourth quarters, put games away for the Browns. And I do think an element of that is because he is a little bit more fresh because they do sit him out a little bit more than what you see other places. And I know that pisses people off to no end, but the fact of the matter is you've seen him end games for the Cleveland Browns because he comes in fresh and a fresh Nick Chubb in the fourth quarter. Not a lot of defenses out there can stop that when they're tired and they have been beat up all game long. Not a lot of defenses can stop it. So I, I would like to see more packages with it. Uh, yeah. And I would love to see it maybe more later in games, right? When you, when you're trying to throw some wrinkles in. Uh, but I, I also, you know, for the people out there that are like, that should just be all the time Chubb and hunt out there. It'll wear them out. And they'll be toast. Yeah, well, it does because so many times then he'll have the 50 yard, you'll have a two yard, three yard, two yard, three yard, 55 yard touchdown. And I do think it just, if you're defense, you're like, oh, man, here he comes again. But I think that's where the earnest, you know, unless you move on from one of the three, you really could rotate those three guys and keep, you know, and give your freshness. But even 30, and 24 back there or 30 and 27 back there gives you more, you know, weapons on the field as opposed to that, you know, blocking fullback who, you know, doesn't do a whole lot that I've seen, you know, but what do I know? I'm not watching the, the blocking <laughs> as much as our film guys, but as far as, yeah, I just think that if you have the skill playmakers, you want to have your best playmakers come up with some package to have them both out there yeah. on certain plays. I mean, I think of the one to me, like a lot of times they'll even do a quarterback sneak. I think of that Baker Mayfield. I think it was against the jets. They lost everybody's in there, but you only had Baker Mayfield in the, and you had one back. If you had Chubb and hunt both in the backfield and you had one flank, just run to the sideline and the other one run the other sideline, the Jets would have had to at least put a guy on them. And that guy came from the cornerback position and, and stopped or caused the fumble. And I'm just saying <clears throat> you give more numbers to yourself. Yeah. I think if you make the defense cover those guys. So anyway, and if they don't cover them, you just flip it out to them. Right. And so that's my coaching for the day. <laughs> coaching for the day. All right. We got a few minutes left. I've got a couple quick hitters that I want to wind up with. So just uh, kind of quick takes on these three topics. First one, uh, an old friend of the Cleveland Browns put an interesting message up on his Instagram and it got a lot of people talking. Uh, the Browns have a very good defensive backfield, uh, but a guy named Joe Hayden put up on his Instagram uh, that at least there were discussions or so I don't remember what the word he used was. I think maybe it was discussions uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And he put up the Browns helmet and, and all that. Have you heard anything about that? And uh, any, any desire for the team to bring Joe Hayden in, if, even if it's just for some depth. I haven't heard any about that other than I do think that it's kind of interesting that you, that he would put it out there. Um, I mean, there's really only two things. He either still wants to play and he wants to play for the Browns or he wants to retire and retire as a Brown. Um, but I, I think there could be something to it because I think he was playing some pretty good uh, cornerback for, this, for the Steelers. I don't know where his speed is and all that, but I do know guys like him many times can make a nice transition to safety later in their career and to me, he's a very smart guy, and he's always been, you know, a heady guy. And the Browns, Joe Woods, like safeties. And right now, you got your three guys from last year, but you really have no depth. You know, they let Stewart go and J Javante Moffitt go. You really don't have a fourth safety unless you're going to count Richard LeCount and assume he's going to be the guy. I think Joe Hayden could come in and play a dual role. He could be 
safety or a cornerback. So I think there's something to that. I think they're talking to him, but I I can't confirm that. Not confirmed, but he might have done it himself. It sounds like Joe Hayden confirmed it because he put it on his own Instagram. And you don't often see guys that have spent some time with the Steelers putting stuff about the Browns on their Instagram like it's it's nothing. So uh, if nothing else, and I know people have strong feelings, especially because he went to play for the Steelers, but Joe Hayden, the mentality is there. Uh, and the work ethic has always been there for Joe Hayden. So we'll see uh, We'll see what comes of that. Uh, next one on our little l- list of quick hitters. Let's get into kind of the offseason so far, some of the, the, the mini camps and all that stuff. Seems like the name to me of the players for the Browns that seems to be winning the offseason so far is Jordan Elliott. Jordan Elliott is a guy that, listen, we know this defensive line is going to need a little help, especially that interior of the defensive line. And you've really heard nothing but positives uh, coming out of camp, coming out of mini camps, out of the front office, out of everybody's mouth about Jordan Elliott. So what are you hearing about Jordan Elliott and why is he why is he the guy everybody's talking about? Well, yeah, at the we talked to some of the position coaches, you know, on the defensive line during the mini camp. And and I don't even I don't know if, if it was asked. I wasn't in on that interview, but he raved about Jordan Elliott and how he was most excited about him of all the guys. Now, whether that's to prop him up, I would think they'd go the other way to try to motivate him if they weren't sure. So I have to think they believe that by the moves or lack of moves they made to me, my biggest question is the interior defensive line. Um, I mean, McDowell and Jackson, both are gone. They started last year, all the games, they didn't do that great, but they really didn't go out to replace them. So they are figuring, obviously, that Jordan Elliott is going to take one of those spots. And I think they signed Taven Bryan, you know, a guy that was a first-round pick, hasn't done much. I'd say right now those are your odds-end favorite to start on the inside. Um, I think Sheldon Day is a good bringing him back. I thought he, you know, played pretty well. Tommy Togi, Togi, we haven't really seen a lot. But Jordan Elliott, I will say this. I have not heard his name when he's played the last two years really do much in the games. And so I really will be surprised if he really steps up and stands out. We haven't seen him in pads do anything because it's offseason. But I'm looking to see in training camp what he looks like because they really need him to play well. I think the clowny move really helps because you can put Clowney inside and him playing on the outside bookcase with Garrett covers up a little bit on the inside. So last year, their, their run defense wasn't great. I think it was 17th in the NFL. They gave up over a hundred. So it wouldn't be much to improve it, but I think in Joe Wood's schemes, <clears throat> I don't think he has this at the top priority, to be honest. It seems like the secondary and side-to-side linebackers, you know, and the defensive ends, you know, are the big ticket items. So we'll see. We'll see. But Jordan Elliott has got a lot of um, praise from the coaches for sure. All right, last thing we got. Just just kind of other other battles we're expecting in camp. One, one uh, first of all, if you have any that you just have circled uh, that you're really excited to watch, any training camp battles, let us know that. Uh, a couple of specific that I wanted to ask about. One, tight end. Obviously, you've got uh, uh, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. Those are your one, two tight ends. But there's nothing really after that. I mean, right now, it's – I mean, are they really planning on going with Miller Forrestal? Is that is that a guy that we should plan on seeing all season for the Browns? Uh, so what do you what do you see happening at tight end? And then and then at wide receiver, you've got you've got Amari Cooper. And then you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones that I think still has enough to prove – You've got uh, David Bell, uh, the new the the new kid coming in. You got Anthony Schwartz that definitely has a lot to improve. Uh, so, what do you expect? How do you expect that position to shake out as well? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I think that I think Donovan Peoples Jones they really feel is ready to step up on the outside and be the number two. I've seen enough of him in the first two years, spots here and there that I think he can take an, an added role. I've seen really good looks from him in the offseason. You know, he looks good. He looks confident. He's starting to 
look like a, a starting type receiver. I also think they feel very highly about David Bell. I think they think highly, more highly of that third round pick than they did last year, maybe with Anthony Schwartz. And I would say right now, Bell comes in maybe even with with more um, an inside track to be the third receiver over Schwartz. Mm -hmm. But I have seen them with Schwartz out there a lot here in the offseason. He's definitely in their plans. He's going to have to prove them wrong. Like he just loses the spot because I'm seeing him still running the jet sweeps. Another guy to keep an eye on is Jakeem Grant. I think they're going to use him in jet sweeps and in more like in certain situations, kind of like they tried with Schwartz, but they were going to do with Jojo Natson, similar to what the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill. Try to get him out in space. He's been a return guy, but I think that they talked to him about also being a little bit more involved in the offense. So I think that Peoples Jones would be the number two if they start today. And then I think Bell and and uh, Schwartz will battle for the third spot. How about that tight end battle? Well, I, yeah, that's or the really third strange. tight end, I should say. Yeah, I think obviously Forrest, all they kept him around all year in the practice squad. They must have liked him better than Steven Carlson because I thought they kind of liked Carlson and he missed last year with the knee, but they didn't bring him back. Um, I'm kind of intrigued with Marco Silva Santos, the Texas Tech basketball player. Yes. But I don't know if you can count on him. You know, he's going to be pretty much a receiver, I would assume. These other guys haven't really blocked, you know, at the NFL level. So I think the third guy would be more of a blocker. And I think Forrestall, you know, has that inside track. They might even look at Johnny Stanton to be a hybrid tight end, H-back, fullback. You could get a lot of mileage out of him if he can do multiple things. So that could be a way they go. And they could even go with two, two full or two tight ends and keep one on the, on the practice squad or two, because um, I don't think they're necessarily married to multiple tight ends running three of them. If you got Deshaun Watson, if you don't have Deshaun Watson, maybe, maybe they change a little bit more if they go back, if it's Brissett or whatever they decide to do, but no, I'm, I'm, and there's going to be a lot of veterans out there available that they might just take a look in training camp and say, ah, we're going to bring in Kyle Rudolph, those type of guys or right. something if, if necessary. They always have those lists. So I don't know what, what they'll do, but I thought maybe after mini camp, after looking at everybody say, well, we need more help here, here, here. And that could be the Joe Hayden talk. That could be, yeah. you know, tight end. I think that Malcolm Smith, if you remember, he didn't join the Browns till training camp two years ago. There's right. a lot of veterans out there that are not even big name. You know, they were solid players that are just sitting at home waiting for a call. And I think they'll look at it and say, okay, whether injury or whatever, we're going to bring in this guy at tight end or whatever. All right, Fred. Well, listen, we're right up against the hour here. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome having you back. Glad you got on that, that nice vacation, but it's it's better to have you back here. Uh, so we're glad to see you back here. The beer's just about empty here, so we did our job. We got through that. Uh, <laughs> and and listen, uh, just a, a quick look at the rest of the week for the OBR. Uh, tomorrow, it's Ask the OBR at normal time with Jake Burns and Andrew Spade. Great new thing that they've got going on there. So get your questions ready for Jake and Andrew uh, for Ask the OBR tomorrow. Uh, Friday night, uh, we do the Garage Beers podcast on Tuesdays. It's coming out, audio version tomorrow. And then Friday night, we just do a What We Missed mini episode. Just a lot of fun on Friday nights. And so right now, we've got five nights of stuff going on here on the OBR uh, Twitch channel that you don't want to miss. So make sure you're subscribed. Thank you to everybody that is subscribed. And make sure you are subscribed to the website as well, uh, where guys like Fred and all the guys he mentioned, Corey and 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 Jake and Jack and all those guys, Cody and and they all, Andrew, they're all putting all kinds of great info on the website. So make sure you get subscribed to that as well. So Fred, it's been a pleasure. Enjoyed having you back. And uh, until this time next week. Uh, oh, also one last thing I do want to say. If the Deshaun Watson thing comes down, when it comes down, just know that we are all on emergency alert. 
So <laughs> the, the OBR is an emergency alert. If the Deshaun Watson news comes down, look to the OBR first because we will we will have uh, no matter what else is going on, we're going to drop it. We'll be on here giving live feedback, breakdowns, everything when the Deshaun Watson news breaks, which feels like it could be any day now. So uh, when that happens, we're ready. But anyways, that's going to do it for the OBR Weekly. Again, for Fred Greetham, go follow him at Fred Greetham 9 on Twitter. I'm Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike. And again, we will see you tomorrow for Ask the OBR. Cheers, everybody. Thank you.